Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, my name is Jorge. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I'll, be, I'll be teaching out of, book, out of the book of Mark, chapter 5. Um, in case you're visiting for the first time um, and you don't know this, my family and I are moving to Boston uh, this Thanksgiving. Um, so God has put a calling on our lives to, to live out the, the Great Commission in, in Boston uh, and to help the, the church plan out there. Um, so we'll be joining ourselves to the work out there. And um, we'll, be, we'll be helping the church. But <clears throat> needless to say, this transition has been um, a new experience for us. Um, we've been part of this ministry for a long time. Uh, my wife, Gabrielle, she's been here since this church started. Um, we've been part of discipleship relationships. We've been part of Bible studies uh, in different in various ministries. And when our family has forsaken us, uh, our physical and blood family, uh, God has given us this church um, in, in replacement. And um, it, it is not enough to say that, we, that, we, that we'll miss Midtown Baptist Temple dearly. It, that, does, that statement doesn't do it justice. Um, in a sense, this group of people um, that God has placed me in, uh, it's part of my identity. It's part of my DNA. Um, I take that with a grain of salt. Some people are like, oh, Jesus should be your identity. You know what I mean. Um, like, th this is my people, you know. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I, I found myself going back to Mark 5, um, this passage has been an encouragement for me. Uh, I found myself um, in this transition, uh, in, in the midst of chaos, um, full of un uncertainty. And I, I found this passage in, nonetheless, I, I want to impart something to you all. Uh, since this, is my, this could be my last time teaching in front of you, um, if you don't get anything out of this message, get this one thing. Worship God by seeking his promises and moving forward in faith. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege to open your word in freedom, to, to have your full counsel, your, your, your whole mind and heart in our fingertips. Father, I pray that um, this morning you would challenge us you challenge us to, to live um, an extreme life full of sacrifice, full of love. Lord, I pray that we'd be seeking you relentlessly. Um, we pray these things in, your, in, this, in the name of your son. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, okay, so if you haven't got to Mark 5, please make your way there. And to give some context to this passage, 
Um, the verses before, um, or the beginning of this chapter, Jesus is casting out demons, a legion of demons out of this guy in the land of the, the, the gatherings. And, and now, so after he, he casts the legion of demons, he gets kicked out. They say, hey man, you've messed up our business. The swine that you threw the demons in and the swine that flew off the cliff, that's how we make our living. Get out of here. Jesus says, okay, I'm out. So he goes back to the, the Israelite land and he gets back to work. And I, I love Mark's perspective because Mark paints Jesus as a, as a servant. And we see chapter through chapter, verse by verse, the heart of Jesus to serve his creation. It, it, it amazes me that, that, that he just throws himself into the busyness of life. But this is what Jesus does. He has a mission in mind, and he is all about bringing glory to the Father by saving humanity. So, so through, through all this activity, he's seeking people that are willing to worship, which brings us to our first section, which is called the sacrifice of worship. So if you can follow with me in verse 21. <clears throat> and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Remember, Jesus just got done casting a legion of demons, okay? Let's, let's get that clear. I mean, I don't know how much power of God he needs to do that, but that is amazing, right? Like, even just one demon, to me, it sounds pretty scary, Okay? He's casting out a thousand demons out of this guy. And he, I mean, Jesus has every right to take a nap. Don't you think? Like, ask my wife. Every chance I get, like, I'm just sitting on the couch and I'm knocked out. I, I could be driving and there's times that I'm, I'm like asleep in my drive, you know, like I, I fall asleep any, anywhere. Except for here, right? Like, I, I don't fall asleep at church. But, <laughs> For the record. <laughs> but now he's welcomed by a multitude whose individuals want nothing but his attention and his interaction. They're reaching out to him. But Jesus is unmoved. He doesn't care that it's stressful. He doesn't, he's not moved by the, the amount of Requirement it takes from him, like the line of people just wanting to get his attention, it, that, that doesn't move Jesus. One thing that I see in this story is that Jesus is not afraid to lean into the, lean into the busyness of life and, more importantly, ministry. He's willing to be consumed by the people, as we're going to see. For, and he, he does it for the sake of one person. Or two, maybe. But he, he goes into this crowd, and for the sake of finding this one woman, he does it. So in Mark's account, we see the ruler of the synagogue. His name, his name is Jairus. 
And we see him falling at the, at the feet of Jesus. Mark 5, verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by, by name. And when, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, check this out. Matthew's account says this in a slightly different way, but it's the same, same situation. Matthew 9, 18, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come, lay thine hand upon her, and she shall live. Now, why is this important? This is important because worship will be the common denominator on, in everyone's heart, in all the characters in this story, the common denominator between this person, Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus is worship. It is a heart of worship. So if you get anything out of today, get that. We can't do nothing. We don't start with worship. It, it would also be the common denominator for those who want to see God move in their lives. So Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, is humbling himself before a carpenter, before an extremist, before an unconventional teacher of the word of God. And he's asking him for his help. Do you understand the situation? Like maybe, let me paint that a little bit better. So Jairus, he's a Jewish ruler, a ruler of the synagogue, a teacher of God's word by tradition. He knows who Jesus is, right? If anything, he's been told to probably avoid Jesus and his teachings, and he's coming to Jesus in front of the multitude, and he's saying, please, help. So where we find the word worship for the first time in, in the Bible is when Abraham is being tried by God in Genesis 22. So there's, there's multiple components that, come, that go into a heart of worship. But two are the most important. I believe they're the foundation of a heart of worship. And we find them in Genesis 22, verse 2. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, who thou lovest, which is the first time of love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So we see that sacrifice and love go hand in hand when worship is put on the table. It is part of the recipe of worship, right? So I don't know what goes into those madelines that Ji Sung put together, but I'm sure it's butter and flour. Those are, if you don't have that butter or that flour, you don't get a madeline. If you don't have sacrifice and you don't have love in the equation of worship, it's not worship. Abraham was willing to give his only son. And God recognizes you love him. Whom thou lovest. And Abraham is willing to give him up. You know why? Because he knows God is worth it. So he's esteeming God that worth by saying, the, the, the thing that I love the most does, does not, is not even close to how much I love you, Lord. Which is a, a bizarre idea to, I, I can't even, I can't even think of that. 
have a one-year-old little girl and she's, man, I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could give her up. And there's times where I think about her future and I think, man, sometime, like God willing, she'll be, she'll be a missionary. She'll be, she'll be going to India. She'll be going to Pakistan. Am I willing to give that, my daughter, up to the Lord? Guys, I'm being vulnerable with you. I don't know. I know that's the right answer, but I, I don't know. But based on what we find in Scripture, we can draw a conclusion about Jairus' posture, heart posture. He's sacrificing something here. Now, the text isn't explicitly clear about what he is sacrificing, but we can infer, based on what the context of the passage tells us, is that he is sacrificing something. He could be sacrificing reputation. He, he could be sacrificing uh, influence, his career, his, his form of income for the sake of having his daughter be healed by, by Jesus himself. But this moment is important because he's willing to forsake all of that and many other things that we don't know by, by prostrating himself on the floor and saying, Lord, help. Why? Because he believes that Jesus is able to save. So, <clears throat> sorry, A.V., I keep coughing into the mic. But when I first started coming to Midtown, uh, this is a little story about me. If you don't know already, um, I was, you know, I, I started to follow the Lord, and I came to multiple forks in, in my path, um, in my walk with the Lord, and uh, it, you know, it, it happens multiple times throughout my life. And it, it, it isn't like, you know, I get this fork in the road and Jesus or not or the world. It's like every day and every phase of my life, this happens where God gives me a choice. He says, are you going to choose me or are you going to choose the world? But I remember when I first started coming around, um, I... I was working for a mural artist um, who uh, is pretty big now. Uh, at the time, you know, it's like when we, we, I first started working with him, uh, I started coming to Midtown and I, I started to become like his right hand man. And this is my dream, guys. Like, if you know anything, I have an art background and I wanted to do murals because I'm Mexican and part of our culture is to make murals, right? And so I thought, man, like this is like the thing I need to do. And as I was growing in, the, in that career, God was also tugging on my heart and saying like, man, like you need to like go to Bible study, you know? Like you should go to all church retreats. And guys, like maybe like if you're new here, that might sound a little extreme. Like they, it doesn't even sound like they go, like they're up to part with each other, those decisions. But at the time, I, I knew that God was important. But I also thought that my career was important too. 
now he, uh, you know, I talk about this resentfully a little bit, but uh, he got to go to like uh, Mexico for like this big mural festival in my home island. Um, and so like all these things, all these crazy things happened where I could have seen myself like enjoying that moment. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't give what I have and what I got at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't have given up growing with the Lord to have had some sort of satisfaction in my career. Now, another example, I had a relationship with a girl for three years, and it was hard for me to let that go. I mean, I've only been married for three years. So you can only imagine how vested we were to each other. But I was convicted because I wanted to follow Christ with everything. And that meant that, that person. And I know, you know, like, she just wasn't the right person. I had to disagree with the people that I loved. I had to create boundaries. I did, I, I did these things because I knew that he was worth it. I knew that... He, that in my heart, there was room for him, and I had to let things go. So we need to be willing to give up what we love the most in order to, for God to move in our lives. So are you willing to give up your comfort, your status, man, your friends? Like, like are you willing to give up your friend? Like, the comfort of having family around you. Are you willing to give that up? So key point number one, or key question, however you want to look at it. Will I worship because I know Jesus is able? Now the cool thing about all these things that I mentioned about my past is that God redeemed those things. Right? Like, yeah, like I, I lost friends and family through the through the process, but guys, he gave me you. Like, he gave me the, this church. Like, he gave me the, the best family I could ever ask for. Where I didn't have a father, he gave me Brandon and pastors. When I didn't have a mother, he gave me Christine and other uh, godly women. When, when I didn't have a brother, when I didn't have a girlfriend, I, you know, like, he gave me a wife and a family. Like, he has redeemed those things tenfold. So I don't know where you, you are this morning, but I want to encourage you to trust the Lord and lay down your life for his cause in order for him to move in your life and those around you. So we see this model by Jesus in the, in the next section. So the pressure of ministry is the next section. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. Thronged him. Sorry. I want to bring to attention this verse because it's easy to overlook. Um, but Jesus is being thronged. He is being pressed. Like, could you imagine, like, grapes being pressed together to make wine? Like, could you just picture that? Like, he's being borderline abused. When I first saw this word throng, I first, 
I mean, I, I thought I knew what it was. Like, it, you know, you read the context and you can, you know, draw a quick conclusion. But although every mention of the word is related with a multitude, Luke gives us a little more insight in the word. Luke 8.45, and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? Like, yeah, like who isn't touching you, you know? So to, to dive deeper, one of the root words that the translate, translators use in order to form this word, throng, one of those words, the Greek word is, is called thlebo, which, you know, like it doesn't really matter at this point, but which is being defined as afflicted or troubled. This can be, can be seen used in these next verses, which are 2 Corinthians 1.6, and whether we be afflicted, so if you can put the word thronged in there, we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are troubled, thronged. On every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled, thronged. On every side, without were fightings, within were fears. Hebrews eleven thirty two. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness and obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight. Turn the flight, turn to fight or flight the armies of the aliens. Women received the dead, raised to the life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. Verse 37 They were stoned and were sawn asunder, were tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, thronged, and tormented. See, Jesus is not the exception. Jesus is not the exception. More like he is the example. He is the benchmark. Jesus is the Christian life. And we see that displayed in this passage. So could you imagine, just picture it in your head, read verse 24, and could you imagine Jesus being trampled on? He's being pressed on. Borderline abused by his creation. People are seeking his blessing, grabbing at him, trying to get healing from him. Yet he allows it because there is a mission he needs to accomplish. There's a little girl he needs to heal. 
And there is a woman in this multitude he needs to meet. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Man, what a servant. Jesus just fully gives himself, like dives in to the pressure of ministry. He jumps in knowing these same people will one day crucify him. Now, Bible study leaders, you probably relate to this. Disciples, you, you relate to this. And it's, it's hard. Ministry is hard. But we have an example in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we lose focus of what, what we're even doing. Like, why we're even counseling. Why we're meeting up with someone for coffee. I can't help but wonder, before I leave this ministry, and you know what, I know no one's perfect, but have I given myself to this ministry like Jesus is doing? Have I allowed myself to be abused and defrauded and spoken badly of? And have I allowed my feelings to be hurt? Have I allowed myself to be wrong? <clears throat> I found this poem by Amy Carmichael. Has thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or, or hand? I hear thee song as mighty in thy land. I hear them hail the bright extended star. Has thou no scar, has thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers spent. Lean me against the tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compass me, I swooned. Has thou no, no wound? No wound, no scar? Yes. At the master, as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine, thine are whole. Can he have fallen far who has no wound, no scar? Now, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. Like, I debated whether even to, to bring this up because, like, some of you, like, like I'm not saying this to be facetious, facetious but, like, some of you, like, I, I admire. Like, some of you, like, I just, like, I, like, I see everything in, in the Kaya chat and in the Bible study leaders chat, and I see your heart for people and, and you know what? I see people that go on mission trips all the time. I know where your wallet's at. Like, I know that you're invested in the mission and you're willing to give yourself. Like, Gabrielle and I were talking about this. Sorry, I'm eating the, the cough drop. Like, <laughs> landed on my tooth. And now I just got to finish it off, you know. <laughs> Gabrielle and I were talking about this. Um, I didn't ask her for permission to talk about this, but um, I think something that we lack in is 
the ability to uh, sacrificially give of ourselves. Now that, you know, that could be vague because how do you measure that? Um, I can only measure that by the example around us and the people around us uh, that open up their homes, you know, people that think about our daughter, um, that clean her, her poopy diaper. Like, Ariel's poop smells like Mexican food. Like, <laughs> like God bless you, whoever's changing her diaper. But thank you. Like, you're blessing my family. You know, like, that poop gets under your fingernails. And then you're smelling my daughter's poop throughout your day. Thank you. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I'm trying to picture this. Like, like you guys are awesome. Kaya, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm gone. Like, when I don't have you. When I don't have someone to love on my daughter and to love on my wife and to love on me. Like, I can't even picture that. This is what I've known for so long. Could I ask you to consider, have you given yourself to this ministry all that you can? Because the end, of, the end goal is that we may know him in the power of his resurrection, Philippians 3.10, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, I, I met with someone recently, and, um, you know, whoever led them to the Lord didn't set the expectations right. Uh, this person thought that following the Lord was going to be all a cakewalk. And I was like, brother, like, <laughs> let me catch you up. Um, I, I showed him this verse. And... Man, like, that, that's a reality. Like, you know, imagine coming out of a life, you know, let's say you're 25 years old. You come out of a life where you've only done what you know what to do is best for yourself and fend for yourself. And, you know, you, you have found ways to make yourself happy and cope with problems in certain ways and that's all you've known for the last 12 years. And now you're not using those coping mechanisms. You're not using those things that make you happy. How do you live? Well, now life gets real. Yeah, you've accepted Jesus Christ. And now you're following Christ the best you can. But now you don't have those things that help you along the way to deal with stress and anxiety Man, like it's, when rubber meets the road, it gets hard. And whoever led this person to the Lord failed to, to set the expectation right. And I said, brother, life is going to get hard. And it's going to get harder. The more you follow the Lord, it's going to get harder. But it gets easier. 
in the same sense that Jesus is with you and that you don't have to hold on to things and that you can find joy when things don't go your way. When the physical world around you falls down, you can have joy. Someone didn't tell this person that. But the goal is that we may know Jesus. Not because he is only loving, but also because he suffered for us. That we may get a little taste of that. Now, maybe not everyone in this room may be uh, harassed for being a Christian. Maybe you've been canceled. I don't know. I don't know where our times are leading. Maybe you've been canceled. But that's fine. Like, it's not like you, you lost your arm because of it. But, man, may we taste just a little bit of what Christ went through. May, may we be privileged enough to just feel that burning, that our walk would be made real, that our faith would be made sight whenever we feel the same pain that he felt when he was rejected by those that he was leading. When the multitude became 70 people, when the 70 became 12, and the 12 became none. So now that we've, we've seen the pressures of ministry, let's look at the next character that, that, that found restoration as she moved forward in faith despite her constraint. So this next section is called the issue of blood. <clears throat> Man, have they found a cure for allergies yet? Oh my gosh. This sucks. Verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, or which had an issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. So in the, in the midst of this multitude, that everyone's just like grabbing at Jesus, like throwing themselves at him, there's this woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, could you imagine losing blood for 12 years? No. Like, the moment we get blood, you get all woozy and like you have to eat a granola bar. Like, this woman has been like suffering for 12 years. Could you imagine that? Has had no other option but to let doctors try their best to heal her. She spent all her resources trying to find a cure for her situation. But she has heard enough of Jesus to seek him out, right? Like enough for, for her to go out on a whim to say like, if I could... If I could just touch, and if I could just. Verse 28, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away, the fountain of, her, of the blood 
was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, the, of that plague. So she's pushing through this crowd of people thinking, if I could just, like, touch his, his clothes, like, if I can just push through, if I can somehow make it underneath everybody, if I can just touch his clothes just a little bit, can you imagine this woman has no strength left in her body. And she's going out in faith to find Jesus, this Jesus that she's heard so much about. And if only she could touch but his clothes, right? Like, she doesn't even need to have a conversation with him like Jairus. He doesn't even, even need to look at her, right? He doesn't even need to touch her. He... She's saying, like, if I could just touch him, just grace his clothes, I'd be healed. Is that you this morning? Are you here hoping, are you here hoping that if you could only hear from the Lord, if I could, if I could only see if Jesus is real, if I could only get a little closer just a little, just a tiny bit closer. Could I, can I, can I grow in faith a little bit more? Could I get a little taste of this Christian walk? Are you as desperate as our friends this morning? Are we as desperate as Jairus or the woman with the issue of blood? Because they had every right to give up. They had every odd against them. They, they could have quit. Like, I mean, I told you, like, I, I probably would have quit. Like, I, I'm not sitting here or standing here telling you, like, oh, yeah, I've given up so many things. Like, I probably would have quit. But they were running on faith. I think sometimes we get the concept of faith confused, and sometimes we think, okay, yeah, have faith that this thing will work out. Faith in what? Like, what are you having faith on? Like, which one of these moving pieces of your situation are you having faith on? And, you know, like, maybe as Christians, we, we speak the Christianese and we say, yeah, I have faith. Faith in what? Faith, like, what is it? What is the substance that you are putting your everything? What, what is your pulpit that you're putting your Bible and your iPad on to hold them up? Faith is a belief on something concrete. Faith is the belief on something concrete. Now, what is that concrete? Faith is taking action on the truth of God's word and promises. Okay? So, we talked about the moving pieces and having faith on all these variables that may change based on whether we have lunch that day or not. Our emotions will change. Our circumstances will change. The market will change. COVID will happen. But the only thing that we can have faith on is God's word because it's the only truth in our life. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So key point number two, will I move forward in faith based on who Jesus is? 
So, you know, you may be here this morning and you don't know squat about the Bible. You don't know any promises of God. But I bet you that you're here this morning because you at least have heard of Jesus. You at least have heard the name Jesus Christ. That's enough, right? That's enough to make a decision in this moment or after this message. That is enough for you to take a step to make a choice in faith. So they both knew a little bit about Jesus, but it was enough to seek him out. So moving forward in faith to them meant seeking Jesus and seeking to be saved. Now, what did, what did they need saving from? Now, according to the Levitical law, this woman was deemed unclean. So Leviticus 15, 19 and if a woman have an issue, and her issue is in her flesh be blood, blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever touches her shall be unclean until the even. Now, this is a picture of our sinful nature, okay? This is a, a picture of how we all have this issue of blood. This is why this is in our Bible, because God is trying to show us that you have an issue of blood. So this woman was shunned for 12 years. Could you imagine what she had been thinking through for those 12 years? Like no one can touch her because then they become clean. Un unclean, I mean. So if they touch this woman, they have to be set apart also. Now no one wants to be set apart, so no one is actually interacting with her. Or if they are interacting with her, it is in a very restrained format. But could you think, like could you for a second... Empathize with her. Like she must have been thinking, why has God done this to me? Why has he forsaken me and taken me and cut off all the source of my livelihood? Why is everyone against me? Why is no one talking to me? Why is no one interacting with me? Like, I get it. Like, it is the law, but why is my mother not touching me? Like, why is my... Husband, like we don't know these things. We don't know, the passage isn't saying us if she was a mother or a daughter or a spouse. But could you imagine, like she is not in a vacuum. She has relationships. But in faith, she responds, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. So there are, there are some of us that can relate to what's happening in this passage. So we need Jesus to save us from from, from where we are right now. There's some that have family members that, that need Jesus. There's some that are going through a rough season. There's some here this morning, and you've been up all night. Don't worry, I'm there with you. I've been up all night too. But you've been up all night thinking about your future. Thinking about why you were, why you were even made. You're thinking about what your, your purpose is in life. You're thinking about your circumstance, the hardships of your life, the hand that you were dealt. I've been there too. I, I spent my fair share of hours from 12 to 3 a.m. laying in bed thinking, what the heck is going on? Why am I here? Why am I Jorge Pietro Giovanna? And why am I in this situation? And why is... Why do I not find fulfillment 
anywhere. And you're here this morning because you at least have some, some sort of truth telling you that Jesus is worth seeking out. And the only proper response that we can have is that if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. Christ is the only one that can save your lost family members and friends. Christ is the only one that can take you out of that rut. Christ is the only one that can heal your blood issue. Mark 5, verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, worship, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Now, since we've announced that God was moving in our lives regarding Boston, we felt like a new season in our lives had begun, and we've, you know, we've been excited. Uh, we've, our, fam- our little family is going into a new adventure in life. Uh, we're, we're, we want to be there already, right? Like we, we were planning to go next year, and then we were like, let's just go. Let's just go this, this Thanksgiving. So, like, we, we are excited, but that, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that it, it hasn't come with its fair share of, of trials. For example, being out of ministry for us has been a little hard. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, this, this ministry has been a, a, a lot to do with my identity. And being out of ministry, out of Bible study, out of discipling, like, it, it's been hard. Like, I been attending Midtown for seven years, and now that we're out of it, I feel like I don't even know how to walk with the Lord. Like, I mean, even having a quiet time with Him is hard. And I, I get it. Some of you are like, well, what do you mean? Like, and I had those conversations, and you know, like, it, it's hard to explain. It's hard. And at times I would wonder, have I done this Christian thing wrong for seven years? Have I, have I done it wrong? Have I wasted my time and everyone's time around me? Now, there's many times that I stayed up at night just wondering, like, is God really sending us? Am I making this whole thing up? Is God really in this transition of my life? What if we get there and it's not what we planned for? Like, what if we come back? Like, that's the worst thing. Like, what if we get sent and we come back? Like, what if we get sent and we don't come back? We go to another church. Like, like, we're not above, like, these things happening in our lives. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, just because we're going to Boston doesn't mean that we're juggernauts, right? Like, we're not, like, these superheroes of the faith. Like, we're just 
taking one step just like anyone else. And just like anyone else has failed through this process, I've considered those things too. Like what if I come back in shame because I miss, misspoke or I, miss, I took a, a bad step? I misinterpreted something? Like I think about these things at night while Arielle's like crying her heart out, you know, like. The conclusion that I've arrived to though in, is that when in darkness, I need to remember what God told me in the light. So like that woman in this passage, we need to keep moving forward in obedience. So it doesn't matter that my whole world is coming, coming apart. It doesn't matter that I feel some type of way as I'm transitioning out. It doesn't matter that I feel like I'm not getting much attention or whatever. Like it, does, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter that I'm not this super Christian who, that I thought I was, that I lied myself about. Like it's, it doesn't matter how anyone really sees me as. My only obligation at this point in my life, in my family's life, is to move forward in faith. So we will now revisit Jairus in this next section, which is called Peace in the Midst of Chaos. Verse 35, while he yet spake, there, there came from the ruler's house, or the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain that said, thy daughter is dead. Why trouble is thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word, that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So while he yet spake, he was still talking to this woman that he just healed, right? Like he's just like, he, he just got done saying, And be whole of thy plague. And then this dude comes out of nowhere and says, Thy daughter's dead. Like, don't, don't even bother. Like, could, like, could you grasp the chaos of this passage? Like, it's just one thing after another. Like, I, I can't even com comprehend. Like, I try to. I've been in this passage so, so much, but I can't grasp just how chaotic the emotions and, like, the back and forth that's going on here. Jesus is not even talking to the, not even done talking to this woman when he hears the news. So could you imagine hearing those news? Could you imagine, imagine being Jairus? Maybe you have someone in your life that's not following the Lord anymore. Maybe you're overwhelmed with life. Somehow your life got to this point where you just can't take it. Man, I just got a new job in sales. It's nuts. <laughs> I've never had a job like it. It's nuts. It's fun. Like it's if you got the, the, the thick skin for it, you should dive in. <laughs> Eric's my boss, so <laughs> if I don't if I don't you know produce, he's the one firing me. But dude, I tell you, like. I've been, I've been in this company for a month and a half. 
and I've never felt the pressure like this before. Like when you're, you know, you're getting paid like $100 a week, you know, like it's, it's nothing, guys. And I have a wife and a baby to take care of. I'm, I'm going on a tangent, but I'm saying like, I relate to this. Like I, I'm in this crowd with Jesus trying to reach out for him. Like I am that woman, like I am Jairus saying, Lord, please help. Like I need new Crocs for my baby. You know, like. <laughs> but I, I get it. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm not preaching to you. Like this is me. Like this is, this is what I'm going through. Through this transition, I am overwhelmed, guys. Like to think about, you know, what Boston costs and what how am I how am I even get there? Like I have a I have a dog. Like where is that dog going? Like what? Like we just gave our cat away. Nah, stop! Don't don't even. Like that was so overwhelming. Like. The moment we move into our apartment, she started peeing everywhere. We were like, what the? Like, I am going to kill this cat myself. Like, no one else is going to put down this cat but me. Just to give you a taste, guys. Like, yeah, amen. Yeah. Just to give you a taste. Some people are flipping out because of that statement. Sorry, guys. But just to give you a taste, like, that, that's what's going on. That's why I'm preaching on this passage. Life is nuts. And I don't get to like, I don't get to take a pill. Like I don't get to quit. And I don't, I don't get to ask for handouts. Maybe that's you. Like I'm not judging you if you do that. But I don't get to do that. Because life gets hard and it will get harder. The move to Boston will only be the beginning. And life will only just get harder. And the people will have harder hearts. And the people will dislike me even more. This is what God is doing in my life to prepare me for it. So we gave our way our cat. And we said, peace. Do that somewhere else, not my house. <laughs> but maybe this whole, this whole Jesus thing is new to you. You've been here a couple of times. Maybe this is your first time. You're saying, like, man, like, I've tried other things. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who is Jesus? If I may just touch but his clothes. If he may just come to my house and, and just heal my daughter. Jesus is saying to you, be not afraid, only believe. You may have invested so much in the journey of, of finding fulfillment in your life. You may see the size of the crowd that you're about to go into. You may see the rejection ahead. You may see the troubles and, and the pushback and all the things that you don't want to deal with. Jesus is saying, be, be not afraid, only believe. And when everything is falling down and we don't have money and when you're, you know, you fill in the blank. Jesus is saying, be not afraid, only believe. Now, Jairus was, a, he, he was tempted to be afraid. I mean, could you believe that? To be told that your daughter is dead? To not even worry about it? Like, hey, like, just 
Amen. Let's just count our wins here. Like you met Jesus, but I mean, I can't imagine losing my daughter. I'd be destroyed. I, I, I don't know what I would do. But just after witnessing Jesus healing a woman right in front of me and seeing the, the potential that could happen for my daughter, like to see Jesus healing someone else and just being a couple hours late to my own house. Like, could you imagine the headspace that Jairus is in? But Jesus, Jesus says that, that she shall be made whole. Luke 8, 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. So what is Jairus going to believe in? Is he going to believe in his circumstance? Is he going to believe on the things happening around him, his emotions? Verse 40, and they laughed him to scorn. This is the people at Jairus' house. This is like his family and, you know, people are coming to mourn for his daughter. When Jesus says like, hey, like, she'll be made whole. They're laughing at Jesus. They're like, dude, what? Like, the little girl is dead. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you wasting your time? And at times, we, we are in those situations. But when he had put them all out, I love that. He, he like kicks them out like my cat. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straight away the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straight, straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So key point number three, I will trust, or will I trust his promises based on what Jesus has said? So at this point, if the praise band could come up, help me close out. Let me ask you this. What has God told you already? What has he asked you to obey? I don't know, in the last month, in the last week, this morning, in this, me in this message, like what has he asked you to obey in? If you don't have anything that he has told you, let me give you something. Let me give you this piece of truth and then you, you know, this is truth that you can believe on. For John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifested, that they are wroth in, Christ, in God. So you, you now have the same truth that Jairus and this woman with the issue of blood had. The simple truth that, that Jesus is able to save So whether you are already on a path to obey what Jesus has told you or not, what are you going to do with this piece of truth? Would you receive it and be afraid and do nothing about it? Or will you receive it and respond by accepting Jesus Christ If you're a believer, would you receive it and respond and move forward in faith in whatever God has called you to do? And with that, I thank you guys for your time. I love you guys. I'm going to pray us out, and then you can take it from there. God, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We thank you for trials. We thank you for the fire. We thank you for the pressure because we know that it it only makes us like Christ. That is the goal. Lord, we love you and we pray that you teach us how how to obey, how to move forward in faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.